That ugly cat, is his name Hunter? Baby, let me ask you something. Is you down the road? Jones scores! Oh, here's Lennon, shot, scores! They're going to the goal. Lennon, they're in the middle of the shot, block and shot, scores! Matthew Kachuk, what a goal! Back to Matthews, in front! Oh, what a stop by Markstrom! How does that not go? And play continues. Monaghan back across, Bonciapane scores on the backhand! Side by Hannafin who races into the play. He's in deep. Up front, scores! Noah Hannafin! And Camperian, loose puck, stage and scores! Left corner for Aginla. Aginla to the left circle. Aginla shot. Joseph save. Rebound. They yeah! score! Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby! <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, today we're here with a special guest. We've got Sportsnet's Sam Cosentino with us to talk about the upcoming NHL draft and prospects within the Flames pipeline. So how are you doing today, Sam? Yeah, doing well. Thanks. Keeping an eye on everything. The Flames, uh, pretty big news there yesterday. So that was uh, that was fun to watch. Hopefully some more of these dominoes fall here. Yeah. Right. yeah was- we're pretty excited about that trade. We, uh, we like what, what happened there. Oh yeah, I think you have to. I mean, to, to fully, there's so many good things there. There's already good connection with, uh, you know, a couple of players on the team with Lucic and going back to his junior days with with Sean Monahan and of course the the familiarity with Daryl Sutter. So I, I think he's kind of exactly what they needed. I don't think scoring uh, seemed to be a major issue, but anytime you can add insurance in that department, um, you know, it, I think it works out pretty good. And and I think also that. Uh, you know, you see the progression that Rasmus Anderson have made and then Shillington have made, and maybe that allowed them to address, um, you know, the forward depth scoring as opposed to maybe getting someone on the back end. But who knows, maybe that uh, that option is still available for Brad Tree Living. Yeah, yeah, you never really know. And I mean, obviously, part of the deal, we traded away our first, and part of this episode would be talking about, ooh, who could the Flames potentially pick up in like the mid-20 range or whatever, talking about rankings. But in terms of, you know, this upcoming draft class, like, is it still safe to say that it's still strictly Shane Wright's year? Well, my opinion, it still is. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of scouts recently about that, and maybe the gap isn't as wide, but, you know, they want to see a little bit more jam, a little more competitiveness than what they've seen to this point this year. I think the production is probably meeting or maybe just slightly below the standards he set you know, coming into the league as a, as a 15 year old, but uh, there's still so much to like about Shane, right? And I always think about, 
you know, the under 18s and just how good he was there. And I think that's the potential that everyone's trying to harness. And I think he can get there again. It's just taken, uh, you know, taking longer than expected. And, and maybe there's, you know, the heat of being in his draft year and being a projected number one guy, um, you know, maybe that's, uh, that's played a, a part in things as well. But uh, for me, it's still Shane. The McDavid draft, for example, you know, immediately McDavid, Eichel. Um, in this year type of thing, is there a consensus I guess, two pick, or is, or is it really a debate between, you know, a set number of guys like Lambert, Cooley, guys like that? Well, I mean, it, the general consensus seems to be Logan Cooley, and that would be a, a bad pick, a 5'10", 174-pound center from the from the U.S. Uh, National Training and Development Under-18 team. So he seems to be the guy right now. I don't, I don't tend to feel that way. I think both uh, Lambert, Joaquin Kemmel, um, you know, Mirshnachenko, Yurov, uh, a lot of different guys in that conversation there. Obviously, Cooley would be a, would be a part of that conversation as well. But I think it's kind of muddled, the, you know, once you get past the, the top guy, if that happens to be Logan Cooley, um, it, it, you know, things are, are a little bit muddled after that. So uh, it's going to be fun to see how this thing unfolds. There's still plenty of hockey left. There's still a lot of high leverage hockey left. So that always plays a part in the, uh, you know, in the consideration of scouts and teams as well. I wanted to talk to you about uh, Slavkovsky, who's playing at the Olympics this year. Um, he had a two-goal night uh, a couple days ago, and uh, I thought he looked really good out there on the ice, and he looked like he was ready to play against those grown men in top competition. You know, it's, it's interesting, Noah, because uh, here's a guy that, you know, I didn't mention in that conversation, and he should be, you know, once we get past the, the first overall pick. But this is a guy who um, he's had some success playing in Finland in Liga, but not as much maybe as we would like. And, you know, there is a little bit of a cautionary tale there when you look at uh, the players that have come out of that league in their draft year and put up good numbers, whether it's Renton or, or Barkov or Lion A, whoever the case might be, those guys in their draft years had really good numbers, not quite point per game numbers, but somewhere in, in the neighborhood. And for right. Slavkovsky, before he left, only six points. So there's a bit of a cautionary tale there. But when you just watch the player in a vacuum as he is, um, there's no doubt he's got pretty much everything you need to be a, you know, to be an effective forward in the National Hockey League. So what can you tell us about Rory Cairns? Yeah, a guy playing in Sault Ste. Marie was leading the OHL for a little bit. He slipped back here a little bit. Uh, but a 75-point year is, is, is still pretty impressive. And He's one of those guys that when he got drafted into the OHL, I think people knew who he was, but I don't think they expected him to, to progress as well as he has. But Sault Ste. Marie is a real great program there. They, they draft a lot of guys uh, with very specific criteria, and then they take those players and, and knowing their coaching staff and their developmental model, they plug their players into the lineup and then allow the players to progress you know, uh, on, on their own timeline. And so Rory's been one of those guys who, you know, come, comes into the league. He's more of a back of the bus type of guy, but shows some flashes and then he continues to progress. There's some graduation. Of course, there's the, the COVID issues and then he gets drafted and he comes back and he's just having a marvelous year. So he's the type of guy who skates well, he shoots the puck well. He's got a little bit of um, uh, edge to his game. So I think he's a, he's a prospect that probably when he was taken, uh, most people would have said, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but he's probably fast-tracked that development a little bit. What would you say his ceiling would be when when he does, I guess, you know, make it to the pro ranks? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty hard to project right now just based on how quickly he's progressed even in the Ontario Hockey League. So, you know, that next step obviously is, is making a move to the American Hockey League, see what can uh, pan out there, get to a, to another camp so that you can have that experience as well. Uh, but he probably looks like a guy who's going to be somewhere in that, you know, in that, uh, you know, probably seven to, to nine range in terms of your forward depth. So, um, but again, you know, left to his own devices, he's, he's proven that he can be more than that at the junior level. He has to now do it uh, on the next step along the path and do it in Stockton. Uh, moving over to the, the Sea Dogs, I wanted to ask you about Poye. In his draft year, he was projected to be a first round pick, but ended up sliding uh, down to the third round. And a lot of that was based off of defensive mishaps or liabilities. Um, I just wanted to ask you if, if he's made massive improvements on that this year. Well, I mean, it started a little bit last year going back to, to when Greg Gilbert was there. He's a guy who, you know, kind of makes sure that that attention to detail is put in place. I think Gordy Dwyer has taken out a step forward. And I think for Jeremy himself, he's taken it upon himself to realize what his weaknesses are, what are the things that are going to be that hold him back from making that progression to the next level. And so he's tried to work on those things. But but make no mistake about it, he's a guy who's got an awesome shot. He's a really good skater. And, and his calling card is going to be his ability to produce from the back end. Now, you can't be completely void of your defensive responsibilities there. Um, you have to work on those things and improve on those things. But it's not going to change who he is as a player and what his best asset is. And those are, you know, carrying the puck, uh, you know, using that great skating ability, shooting the puck with, with a lot of accuracy and shooting it hard. So um, he, he's still that guy. Uh, although, of course, as you mature, your game matures as well. And I think that's happened for Jeremy. The defense is something that obviously comes with a lot of time and experience. But uh, we were looking at his numbers just before we hopped on here. And he's at, a, I think, nine, nine points over a point per game right now in the, in the CHL. From the back end in itself is very surprising. And you don't see that very often. No, it's not too often you see that. It's funny. I did a Winnipeg Jets-Nashville game the other night, and Roman Yossi was like one of maybe two defensemen in the National Hockey League leading their teams in scoring. So you do get that sometime. I know Jeremy's not there. I mean, Dufour's had a great year as well. But uh, when you see those over a point-per-game numbers at the junior level, uh, you know, I think it's a pretty good in indication of, of what his uh, best asset is. I want to talk to you about Yusuf Valimaki. I mean, in 2017, when he was drafted, his ceiling was like top four guy. And it just seems that, you know, since his massive injury that he's just really derailed, whether it's, you know, a product of rehab or adjusting to, you know, new systems. We've had a lot of systemic changes in with the flames the last three years, all that type of thing. What do you think, I guess, Valimaki's cause for being a mainstay in Stockton this season. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah, some guys have are, are on a different developmental path. And I think the, the setback obviously was a big thing. The number of coaching changes have, have played in a role in it. So as a young player, you're trying to find your way, but you're trying to find your way in the system that's going to best suit your abilities to what the coach is looking for. And when that's changing on a, on a pretty frequent basis, that be, that becomes a challenge. And so Sometimes the best thing is, is getting back down um, to the American Hockey League where you can hone your game and hone your craft and really kind of identify who you are and allow who you are to be the guy who makes the step forward to the National Hockey League. So, you know, uh, it, it, that also comes with maturity. Sometimes that maturity is stunted a little bit. Sometimes things get derailed because of what happens physically to a player. 
but in the case of uh, of Yuso and watching him going back to to, to his days playing in uh, you know in the in the Western Hockey League, I'd have to think that there's still something there. Now, the one thing that I am pretty happy about is that he's getting a chance to do it under Mitch Love, who I think is the kind of perfect guy for the for the temperament of what Valimaki has. So Mitch has proved that he can do a good job coaching. He has some veterans down there, um, you know, and it'll be up to Yuso Yuso uh, to, to kind of figure figure things out from, from there. But I think, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that was going on there behind the scenes and then you get a new coach and you try and change your style of play. And really what's going to allow you to, to, to forge forward is taking your best assets and trying to implement those into the coach's system as the, as opposed to trying to please the coach. Uh, and I think that's where, that's where Val Mackey is right now. Um, another player down in Stockton, uh, Jacob Peltier. He's still very young, um, but he has been dominating the AHL and putting up great, great point uh, production down there. Uh, how many years do you think he is out of making the NHL roster? And where would he slide in in a Flames team in, say, two or three years? Well, it's funny because I kind of thought, like, he was going to get a shot this year, you know, with the COVID and, you know, with some of the restrictions and that sort of thing that he was going to get his shot. And then with the traded to Foley, maybe that kind of uh, doesn't allow for, for Pelts to, to get in there and to get an opportunity in the National Hockey League. But I'd like to see him up there at some point uh, just to just to prove what he could do. Now, um, he's a guy who's got amazing uh, compete in his game. He's a super high-skilled guy. He makes those around him better. He's got really good vision. So he's a guy that's that's on track to, to play in the top six somewhere down the road. So a lot of that so much depends on, on luck. So I think about Cole Perfetti. Cole Perfetti's playing some top six minutes with the Winnipeg Jets because you know, at one time, Pierre-Luc Dubois was, was left across the border after the All-Star break. And then you look at Nick Ehlers, he's out of the lineup for an extended time. So it's given a guy like him to slot into a top six role, which is where he fits. You know, he's right. probably not going to be an effective player down in your lineup. But with Winnipeg circumstances, he's getting that opportunity. He's playing really well. I watched him again last night. So I think for Pelts, it's a little bit of a different story there because I think he can still have an impact on the game if he's not playing in your top six, where he can bring some energy, he can bring a little bit of excitement, he can bring some skill a little bit further down in your lineup until a spot opens up or until he pushes his way through into the top six. But, you know, if you're, per, if you're projecting maybe three years down the road, I think he's, he's going to have to be a top six guy for, uh, for Calgary, and I think he'll have the skill to, uh, to do that. Right. And yeah, I guess with Calgary, they haven't had uh, really too many big injuries this year. Like we haven't seen any of our star players or any guys in the top six go out. So that, that makes sense why Peltier hasn't gotten his shot yet. Yeah. And some other guys are getting that opportunity because, you know, again, he's probably, he's projected to be a top six guy, but he is also a guy that, you know, that can give, that can give you some minutes, I think lower in the lineup and uh, almost, kind of in the vein that if he were to get called up now playing a role like like Dylan Dubé plays what about guys like Zary and Dustin Wolf and how you know they've I guess fit in especially in the sense of how Dustin Wolf's numbers have been ridiculous in his rookie year in Stockton what are your thoughts on both of those guys well I think for Zares it's going to take a little while he's he's still a younger guy he too's had some some injury issues and you know probably a guy who would have benefited more from a full season last year in the Western Hockey League, which of course we know that didn't happen. All those numbers were pretty decent in the, in the American League. So I'm not worried about him. He's such a, a wonderful young man that uh, he's going to put forth to work 
to, to make himself a guy who's going to be a, an effective uh, NHL player. And again, he can play in your middle six, I think pretty, pretty effectively, you know, projected down the road here a little bit. So uh, just knowing the young man, I, I, I bet on him and, and I know things in terms of point production, which is what everyone's looking for from a first rounder yep. mm-hmm. will, will improve. But Dustin Wolf um, for me has been a, he's been a surprise and a pleasant one at that, but he's a guy that's been told his whole life that he's too small. He can't do it. He's too skinny. He's not good enough. All of those things. And at every turn he's, he's put his doubters aside and he's, he's had a, a ton of success and he's doing it again here. Now the 20 wins in the American league are pretty amazing. I think he's, probably fourth or fifth in, in goals against save percentage is good. So he is playing on a veteran team. So that definitely is, is something that uh, that's helpful. You get Valamaki and Mackey back there as older guys who can right. really help take care of the back end. So that helps. But I also think that there's probably a pretty good affinity there from, from the head coach, Mitch Love, who was a, a former Everett guy himself. So no oh. doubt he would have uh, taken some time to, to have gotten to know Dustin really well. Uh, based on his connections going back to Everett and maybe that comfort has allowed Dustin to play with the confidence that's led him to the success he's had so far. I wanted to quickly touch on the prospect that actually went over to Montreal uh, in this Toffoli trade, Emil Heinemann. Um, I don't think he's very well known uh, with throughout the Calgary fan base because we had just acquired him in that Sam Bennett trade last year. But what is his projection looking like and how do you think he's going to fit out in Montreal? Yeah, well, I think, you know, obviously he was a coveted part of piece, uh, a coveted piece for the Montreal Canadiens. You know, they identified him as a guy that they wanted back. And surely there were conversations about Pelche and Zeri and some others. But, you know, Heinemann's a guy that they, I think that they're they're really happy with and was was a coveted guy. So you look at his track record in international play, uh, you know, the fact that you're making Sweden's world junior team is a big thing. And then you're playing um, in a couple of different leagues over there, the under 20 and getting to play in the SHL and, and having some success there. So he's, he's the type of player that you just kind of leave in Sweden. I think you allow him to progress at his own pace. And then when the time is right, you try and bring him over. And ultimately you'd like to see him, you know, fit right into your national hockey league team. I don't know if that's the way it's going to work out, but the way that Montreal is trending right now, that may very well be the case as early as next year. So we'll see how that progresses, how young Montreal gets and, and what, you know, what they're going to lean on in terms uh, of a lineup next year. So, uh, but you know, it's funny, you, you get traded twice as a, as a young player. I want to see as a, a second round pick a probably pretty highly thought of one and, and a guy who, uh, you know, when you get covered in a trade by two different teams, it's, I think it's very telling. And so Montreal gets a crack now to push forward on that, uh, on that development. Right. And for a young player like that to already be traded twice and you haven't played a, an NHL game yet, uh, do, can that mess with your confidence as well? Um, yeah, I don't think so. I think he's just a guy who's he's playing in Sweden. The plan was for him to stay there anyway. So um, just just allow him to continue on his developmental path. And as a player, you're, you're just worried about what you're doing in the moment. I think, you know, being traded twice, it's not like you uh, have created great friendships there and, that right. experience just gives you a little bit of an opportunity to, to be in touch with different developmental people, you know, through three different organizations. And in the long run, I think that's probably going to be a helpful thing for him. I wanted to ask you about Matthew Coronado. Uh, the majority of our fan base was pretty amped to say the least when, you know, we selected him at 13th, even though we all know it was 12, but it's fine. Um, do you think that he could take a, I guess, I don't want to say exact path to Cole Caulfield because those two scenarios are completely different, but in terms of, I guess, wrapping up his season at Harvard, do you think that once he's done his season at Harvard, then I guess 
pen and paper collide and he signs his ELC here and what his projection could be? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that kind of plays itself out because, yeah, you know, he's almost a point per game with Harvard. Um, you know, a guy who obviously brings a bulldog mentality, um, you know, coming through the USHL, you want to try and fast track and get into the pro game. Having said that, he's getting wonderful experience where he is and he's getting an education that I think his parents were were heavily pushing for. So, you know, just I, I just don't know if that spot's going to be available for him. I mean, you sign obviously you get into some games, you burn your first year of the ELC and then you see what happens moving forward. So I don't know if Matthew is going to be the, the guy who kind of sits back and waits another year, um, you know, on a, a COVID free year where he can go back and, and play college and enjoy the, the college life to its fullest. Um, or if he wants to get into the, to the pro ranks right away. And the same thing goes for, for what Calgary is thinking too. I mean, here's a guy that obviously you're going to project in your lineup here in a couple of years. So do you want to get him into your fold and playing in the American Hockey League? Are you okay with his training and his development uh, playing a lesser schedule in college? So that one, I'm not exactly sure what what either party is thinking right now, but obviously they have to come together on, on some sort of compromise because Matthew wants to continue on at school. Obviously, uh, you know, it's a more of a hands-off approach for Calgary at that point, but uh, no doubt a, a legit prospect to play in the top six here down the road as well. Uh, the 2022 draft class, it's been talked about being relatively deep. Uh, relatively deep draft class and obviously the flames just traded their first round pick but we do have two second round picks in this upcoming draft is there any guys that you can see sliding out of the first round or any guys that are projected to go in the second round that us flames fans could keep an eye on uh, for this upcoming draft well it's 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 really it's very convoluted this this year's draft i mean we're starting to see a, a lot of muddling even you know as high as the second through probably 10 or 12 picks and then Things open up tremendously after that. And we're talking about the addition of probably some old three players that have progressed this year that uh, maybe weren't on the radar as, as first year draft eligibles because we're scouting the 2004 born class. So when I look at, at the group of players that probably gets outside that 10 or 12 range, I think it's really, really vast. And to, no, to pinpoint a couple of names, I, I think that's difficult at this point. But, you know, you're, you're looking, um, there's probably a couple of bigger defensemen that are down there um uh, big big show who's a, a swiss defenseman he's a guy that's kind of bounced in and out of that uh first round there's a guy mike butchinger Butch, butchinger rather plays in in guelph who's had a lot of looks in the first round matthew potra's teammate there so honestly that that's it's probably a number of guys and you know on a range that might be 30 or 40 deep at this point so are we going to be able to narrow that focus a little bit i think so as the year progresses but it's really wide open in terms of the 04s the 03s you know, there's a Lucas Edmonds, a really good O2 born overage guy that's playing in, in Kingston right now. That's putting up some pretty good numbers. So I, I just think there's a, a wide array of players at, at that point. That's kind of tough to, to pin down who, uh, who you might be looking at there. Thank you, Sam. This was yeah. good, fun. Good luck. Good luck with the podcast. All right, guys. <laughs> that's awesome. You. Take care. So that was Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. No, that was fun. I actually liked his insight about Coronado because a lot of people think that um, Coronado could be taking the Caulfield route and I don't I never saw it that way and I'm glad that Sam kind of stated it like that so that you know we don't get so that let's say he does not sign and does stick around for another year in college that like you know the fan base doesn't sit and start freaking out and being like oh god he's gonna leave us he's not gonna sign here type bullshit you know no yeah that, that was awesome um, yeah it's good to get insight on prospects and really hear like 
the inside thoughts and, and, and what's going to happen with our prospects down there. And he provided great insight on that. So a uh, big flames game tonight. Let's hope Tyler Toffoli's in the lineup. Oh. Let's hope we smack the shit out of the Columbus blue jackets. Please, please. And the, dude, I care more about the ducks game tomorrow, to be honest. Like I want to just obliterate the ducks. Yeah. Just, like, just... I want Luke to just like level Zegris. Dan Vladar is starting tonight. Pat just tweeted. I guess we'll wait for the actual lineup to come out here. Markstrom finally gets a rest. And I honestly, I, I figured that would be the case. Um, holy yeah. shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Ah, Toffoli's in tonight. Let's go. Let's go. I knew it. Let's go. I knew it. I Let's knew go. It. All right. So, Let's Goudreau, go. Lindholm, Kachuk, Manjapani, Backlund, Coleman, Dubé, Monaghan, Toffoli, Lucic, Ruzicka, Lewis. Dude, this doesn't feel real. Let's fucking go. I cannot wait for tonight. Let's go. I knew he was going to be in tonight. I told you. Let's go. Let's go. Red. We get to see Tyler tonight. First look. Just immediately. Woo! Let's, good, let's go. Oh, it's going to be a good night. That's about it for us here. And uh, thank you for listening. Yes, thanks, everybody.